0: Mm. How many of you believe in God? How many of you believe He has a son named Jesus? How many of you believe the Bible is the Word of God? How many of you are bound and determined to do what that Word says? Well, you know something, maybe It's got lower and lower. Amen. 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 I'm the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for joining us, for tuning us in, turn, turning us on, tuning us in. As we are wont to say, we're really glad that you're here tonight, each and every one of you. In particular, those of you that listen in frequently, and we run into you out in the community. You say that you listen, and I want to encourage you not only to listen, but to pray for New Life Telecast. We're here for one reason... And one reason only, and that is to take the gospel, the good news message about Jesus Christ to the community and to encourage the believers to stay steadfast in the things of God. That's it. That's what we're all about. We're going to jump into a brand new teaching this evening. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 58. And we've titled this, The Sting of Death. The Sting of Death. Here's what we're talking about. Now, watch this. Dying may not be all that bad. I've never died, so I'm really not sure what that's like. It may not be all that bad, but what I do know is this. When we die or we face death or we enter death with this ugly thing called sin attached to it, then we're in a world of trouble. We have a heap of trouble, something we cannot get out of. I want to be an encouragement to you to find God's will for your life which is this among a number of other things but where it uh, applies to death which we're all going to face at some point in time we can face death knowing that our sin problem has been taken care of and that's what we want to talk to you about. want to read one verse in your hearing right now. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and the record puts it this way. Listen to this. Where old death is your victory. Where, oh death, is your sting? Two very important rhetorical questions that we'll seek to answer as we move on tonight. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you and I praise you for each one that's turned on this telecast, and I pray and ask in the name of Jesus that by your word you would speak to our hearts, encourage us, Lord, to know that even though death is appointed for all of us, we do not have to face that uncertain time with an uncertainty of sin hanging over our heads. I pray for each one that they would hear Your Word and know Your Word and be challenged by Your Word to connect with You through Jesus. We pray in Christ's name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. And don't go running off. I have a very special announcement to make for you at the end of the program. So you hang on. God bless. Now, coming off this series on resurrection, which was interrupted briefly by Father's Day at the conclusion... Of Paul's treatment of what I'm going to call all things resurrection, he asks a couple of questions and then puts forth a couple of challenging directives for those of us awaiting our own resurrection. Now let me just throw that out there real quick. We talk about the resurrection of Christ, and well, we should. But we are also looking forward to our own resurrection. Both the questions asked here are addressed to our dreaded enemy, death. The apostle here personifies death, and he asked it a question. He asked death a question. Look again at verse 55. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Now, these are indeed rhetorical questions, in that Paul immediately produces the answer. A couple of things I want to point out to you. First of all, look at the first part of verse 56. We're told the sting of death is sin. The sting of death. Fill in number one with me on your study notes. If you're new to new life, we do actually fill these things in on Sunday morning. And number one looks like this. Alike the yellow jacket. Any of you know what a yellow jacket is? I have been up close and in person or up personal with a yellow jacket. Alike a yellow jacket, death has a stinger. How many of you know a yellow jacket has a stinger? Oh, yeah. Death has a stinger. We're told here the stinger of death is sin. My literary mentor, J. Vernon McGee, who still speaks, even though he's in heaven, he speaks by his written volumes. He said, and I quote, The sting of the bee is its venom. No venom, no sting. No sin, no sting. Or no consequence, if you please. End quote. In fact, the contemporary English version translates this passage, Sin is what gives death it's Sting, Con, actually Constantine Campbell, Dr. Constantine Campbell. You may know him by his work with our Daily Bread Ministries. He said about this, and I quote, This can easily be understood once we read Sting the right way. It is the instrument, and I'm adding here the means that death uses to overpower us End. Quote, now I'm not through quoting because Mr. Barnes in his very fine commentary gives it to us like this, quote, there would be no death without sin. The idea is that sin is the cause of it. He goes on to say, it introduced it, it makes it certain, it is the cause of the pain, distress, agony, and horror which attends it. That's the first thing I wanted you to see. The second thing, kind of the latter part of verse 56, from our tense passage, Paul goes on to say, The power of sin is the law. The power of sin is the law. Mr. Poole, in his commentary, says this, by the way, I couldn't think of a better way of saying it, so I quote them. If it were not for sin, death could have no power, everybody say power, could have no power over man, or that is mankind. Sin is that which giveth death a power to hurt the children of men second thing on your study notes fill this in with me right quick like beloved the supreme law of God I'm talking about the moral code for humankind the the supreme law of God is the ultimate arbiter that pulls puts into effect sins sentence of death. It's kind of a fancy way of summarizing what we just, Uh, the foundation that we just laid with you. Now, watch this. The Hebrews of Jesus' day, we'd know them as Jews, the followers of Judaism, they would have argued that a person might be justified, made right in the eyes of God by the keeping of the law. Watch this. That has never been true. If that is true, then we are in trouble because we can't keep the law. The blood sacrifice of the old covenant glaringly defied this twisting of truth that the Hebrews would have advocated. The cross of Christ under the new covenant, as presented under the new testament, proved that something other than law keeping must secure our salvation. Pastor Terry, you better have some Bible for that. Oh, you know I do. Go with me to Romans chapter 7 and verse number 9. I'm going to read about three verses. Stick with me. The the 11th verse is where I'm really going with this. Once, Paul says, I was alive apart from the law. In other words, he didn't know the law. But when the commandment came, the law came... When he'd become aware of the law, sin sprung to life, and I died, he says, spiritually. Verse 10, I found that the very commandment, the law that was intended to bring life, actually brought death. Verse 11, for sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, the law deceived me, and through the commandment, through the law, put me to death. What in the world is he saying? Listen, beloved. Instead of bringing redemption, the law just simply serves to further establish our guilt. We read the law. We realize we can't keep the law, and it just exacerbates our own guilt. It is indeed the powerful entity that seals our fate and our doom eternally, spiritually speaking. Well, Pastor Terry, that's a fine mess you got us in this morning. Thanks for encouraging me. So, so now what do we do? Thus far, it sounds as though sinful man, and I'm talking about men, women, boys, and girls, mankind, it sounds as though sinful man has an insurmountable problem. But thanks be unto God. The story does not end with 1 Corinthians 15, 56. There's a 57 and a 58. Look at your neighbor and say, I know that's right, because I brought my Bible with me this morning, and I can see it. There's a 57 and a 58. So, why don't we get a group together and go to verse 57? Are you ready for that? Here we go, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Paul says, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when I come upon words in the New Testament like us, I am prone to pause and ask myself, "Self, who is us? And I'm going to answer number three on your study notes. Beloved, us are those that put themselves into position to be born again. Listen, it's very, very important that you understand the New Testament's language of born again. Very important. Born anew. Not a physical birth, but a spiritual rebirth. A spiritual rebirth into the forever family of God. The second thing I want you to notice about verse 57, it's imperative to point out that us are adopted into God's family only through our Lord Jesus Christ. And many would say, that's a problem I have with you. Christians, you're so arrogant. You think you're the only ones that have the right way. Check this out. We don't think that. God thinks that because that's what God put in His Word. And His one and only Son, virgin born, Jesus the Christ, God became flesh, God incarnate, uh, Jesus uh, believed that. It's imperative that you understand that salvation comes through and only through our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. It doesn't come through law-keeping, aren't you glad? But it comes through Jesus-chasing, a little phrase that I put together to describe a life in pursuit of the holiness of God through His Son, Jesus. Now, it is essential. What is it? It is essential for all people to know and understand Just why God's Son, Jesus Christ, had to suffer death on the cross. What's up with that? I'll tell you this, it was not for sins or crimes that Jesus had committed. Far from it, because Jesus was not only sinless... Jesus was sin free, not just having less sin. You know how people do. I'm pretty bad, but I'm not as bad as him. What are you saying? I I sin less than him. Like that matters. If you're a sinner, you're a sinner. Jesus wasn't sinless. Jesus was sin free. In fact, having no sin. The Word of God, the Bible, makes crystal clear that Jesus Christ, though tempted in every way, just as we are, Hebrews chapter 4, He never committed a sin. Aren't you glad about that? that our Lord, our Savior, never committed a sin. Fill in number four with me. Beloved, it's a Bible fact. Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, God incarnate, has no capacity to sin. He cannot sin. Very, very different from sinful mankind. Now, let me embellish that just a little bit. Once upon a time in a faraway land... Some self-righteous persons, what kind of persons? Some self-righteous persons dragged this adulteress. That would be a woman that was caught in the act of adultery, an adulteress. They dragged that adulteress in front of Jesus, watch this, in order to condemn her. And the scriptures are clear that it was to test Jesus and I'm going to say to you also that they did this in order to disguise their own sinful mess. I have no scripture to back this up, so you can disagree with me if you want to. What I'm about to tell you, odds are every one of them scoundrels had been with that woman. Why you think they wanted her stoned? Let's get her quiet. Go with me to John chapter 8. In verse number 7, the New Living Translation puts it this way. They kept demanding an answer. These religious folks, these self-righteous folks, kept demanding an answer from Jesus. Hey, can I encourage you to be very careful about demanding things of God and demanding things of Jesus? You asked nicely, you hear? Are you with me? They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again. Jesus was down doodling in the, the dirt. So he stood up again, and he said, All right, let's, let's do this. You want to stone this old gal? All right, let's do it. Let's have a stoning up in here, and here's the rules. We're going to stone that woman, but you guys, the one of you that is without sin, you cast the first stone. It was about like it is in here now it got very very quiet why for once that self-righteous crowd did the right thing and they confirmed Jesus' brilliant strategy to uncover their, their sin wasn't it brilliant the way he did that and they all fled Jesus went back to writing in the dirt and, and he kind of looked up and Man, one went this way, one went that way. They fled like the pompous cowards they were, proving that none of them were guiltless, but in reality riddled through and through with evil and evil intent. Jesus once spoke about this brood. You can read about it in Matthew 23, around verse 27. The paraphrase, the message puts it this way, You're hopeless. You religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You're like a manicured grave plot. Grass clipped, the flowers bright, but six feet down, it's all rotting bones and worm-eaten flesh. People look at you and think you're saints, but beneath the skin, you're total frauds. Boy, isn't it easy to read that and to think about them old self righteous pompous cowards coming to come away from that feeling pretty good about ourselves isn't it easy to do that did you know we face the same dilemma we face the same dilemma you see we come into this existence what we call life the present world we come into this existence with a sin problem Will you look at your neighbor right now and say, I know, that's right. You come in this world with a sin problem. Point to it right now. Tell them that. Yes, you did, you old heathen, you. <laughs> Watch this. Here's a teaching point. You don't hear this talked about much nowadays, but it's right. It's true. Mankind is now born with a sin nature. Let this sink in born with a sin nature, and it is with us from the time we're conceived. Well, Pastor Terry, I sure don't believe that, and you sure enough better have some Bible for that. Well, I think I do. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 51 and verse number 5. We could preach this verse up one side and down the other. The applications there in particular within the context of what our country is going through now is very significant. But the psalmist says this and he teaches us, Surely I have been a sinner, notice sinner, from birth. You know what he says? And then notice, sinful I've been a sinner from birth, sinful, speaking of his nature, from the time my mother conceived me. Listen to me, church. That's us. Every last one of us. So we need rescuing. We got a problem up in here. Number five on your study notes. I asked the question, I made the statement very important for you to understand why Jesus had to go to the cross. I just explained it to you. Our sin problem, mine and yours, and if you're bold enough and courageous enough and honest enough, instead of putting our sin problem in the blank, could you put your initials in there? Oh, boy, that would sting, wouldn't it? Our sin problem is the reason Jesus Christ had to die. Yes, we are sinful as we come into this world. But, and I don't want to leave you there. We are, but Jesus ain't. Jesus is not. We are, but not Jesus. Watch this. If Jesus were not sin-free there would be no sacrifice for sin. We'd be in a mess. But if you go to 2 Corinthians, just the next letter over, Paul wrote to the church of Corinth a couple times. In fact, there may have even been more. We don't have those letters. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, God made him who had no sin. Who's he talking about? Couldn't be anyone else but Jesus. God made him, Jesus, to be sin for you and myself us there's that word us again so that in him we might become the righteousness of God oh hallelujah that's enough to make an Episcopalian shout right there are you with me God made him who had no sin We're going to cut in right there. There is a little bit more to this teaching. We'll look forward to sharing that with you next week. But let me come back to something that's very, very important. I'd like to close with this tonight, and it's simply this Our sin problem is the reason Jesus had to die on the cross. Let me do that again. Our sin problem, mine and yours, is the reason Jesus had to die on the cross. There may be some listening right now, and you're not that familiar with the Bible really not that familiar with the church and what it's all about. And you're like, what's this cross business? Why are all of these people wearing crosses? What's up with that? The cross is nothing more than an instrument of crucifixion. Today it would be like the gas chamber or the electric, electric chair. Nothing different about the two. And Jesus had to die. This is the, the important point. Jesus had to die because our sin merits a death. We will die because of our sin problem if we do not do something to take care of that situation before we pass away. And what we need to do is to accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. You see, He really did go to the cross, He died for us or in our place. Is that automatic, Pastor Terry? No. And this is what needs to be understood. And so many seem to fail to understand this. It isn't automatic. Jesus died for all, but not all except His death personally. And that is a responsibility that you need to take for yourself. That's called being born again or trusting Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life and to be your Lord and your Savior, to to really walk out life together with you. Well, how does that happen, Pastor Terry? Very simply, through prayer, Now, I know, and there's probably a lot of people preparing right now to attack what I just said, but we come to God in faith, and we do that through prayer, simply talking to God and confess our sins, repent of our sins, just open up our heart's door, and in other words, our life, our will, and we invite Jesus to come in and to do that for which He died for, to take our sins away and replace that with His righteousness, His holiness. And we believe that. It's not complicated, but it's a necessary step. And then we go on to live it out. And really, that's what New Life Telecast is about, is helping you know and understand this and helping you know and understand how to live it out. It's not just a one-time, one-and-done deal, but we begin this relationship with God through Christ and then we continue that walk all the rest of the days of our life. I trust that you have had that born again, born anew experience. That you literally have prayed and said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I repent of that. I'm sorry for that. I invite you to come in, take my sin away, replace it with your righteous Holy Spirit. And then live through me, walk with me, teach me day by day in the days to come. Father, I thank you for each one listening in right now. And I pray that each one listening, if they haven't been born anew of the Spirit, they haven't asked you to forgive them of their sins and to replace that sin with your righteousness and your holiness and your powerful Holy Spirit, I pray that they would do so right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, listen, I really feel burdened that somebody has prayed that prayer perhaps for the very first time, can I encourage you to connect with us? There's some contact information there on the screen through our website or the uh, numbers that are there. Let us know what has taken place, and we would be glad to try to help you further, provide some material for you that will help you in your walk with Christ. I'm going to have to get out of here. I told you I had a very special announcement to make, and uh, here it is. We will be hosting our 11th annual Bikers for Babies, a bike run on Saturday, August the 27th, begins at 10 o'clock. You can see all the information there on the post. There's a ride to benefit the Pregnancy Care Center of Martinsville in Henry County. Uh, We start at uh, Judkins Insurance Agency up on Starling Avenue, and we will conclude the ride at the firehouse over in uh, the rich acres over on joseph martin highway and that ride will include a uh, delicious barbecue lunch that's all included comes from little pork shop down in eden and uh, we would love you to come along and by the way this involves not only motorcycles which i will be riding the lord willing uh, also uh cars Uh, How does it say it on here? I can't remember exactly how it says it, but uh, if you have an older car or some kind of uh, vehicle that you would like to uh, ride with us, you are more than welcome to do so. There will be quite a trail of automobiles following the bikes along. Again, on Saturday, August 27th, we'll be telling you more about this, probably giving you some more details In the weeks to come I'm Terry Knight The pastor of New Life Community Church Wishing you a great day And remember my friends Jesus is coming back Is he coming back?